Welcome to episode 5 of the Out of Sight Sports Podcast. Thanks for tuning into the show as Crawford and I have a lot of intriguing topics to talk about in the sports world. With that being said, let's get into the news. The Atlanta Hawks are 11-16 and and have dropped 7 of their last 8 games. This team started off looking like a playoff team. What do you think has happened to our Hawks, Crawford? And how do you think we can turn it around? That's a great question. And with any set of problems, you got the the ones you can see and have an idea to fix and the ones that you just stole. So, uh, with this problem, there's some tangibles and intangibles. The tangibles, we can look at the coaching and the schemes and the lineup, and we can point fingers and blame the coach. Uh, he had, coach Spears had a rant that really did nothing for anybody, maybe except for himself, making him feel a little bit better. Then he got his anger out on the broadcast, but <clears throat> otherwise, I don't really know what's going on with the team. It's, it's really bothered me because there's a lot of defensive effort. I've seen, you know, but then again, how, how do you get the effort consistently out of your players? That is what coaching does. So maybe that falls on them too. But there have been moments of effort. There have been some questionable lineups. But we're just not good on offense, believe it or not. Especially without Trey Young. We have no offense when he's off the court or in the fourth quarter when they trap him every possession. So people like Kevin Herter need to get the ball out of his hands. I thought he'd be able to do more for Trey by now, but we just haven't really seen that. DeAndre uh, Hunter is another good ball handler that we're missing. So... It's a skid, and it's a hard skid, but we have every expectation to turn it around. I thought it would be turned around three games ago, but any time now. Agreed. First, I'm going to mention that this team must start games stronger. Slow starts have been a massive problem for Atlanta, especially up to this point, or at least that has been the case in their last three losses to the Spurs, Pacers, and the Knicks. The Hawks are not active enough defending the ball at the point of attack. Offenses seem to easily get the ball way too deep into the post against us. Teams just look way too comfortable on offense against Atlanta. For example, the Spurs game, we could never adjust and it kept getting worse. It took about until the second quarter for the intensity level and defensive awareness to be where it needed to be against New York and Indiana. I was worried that the team would become too used to Clint Capella grabbing all the boards after he went on that superhuman run where he grabbed every rebound in sight, and I think we did. But no one on earth can maintain that level of play. So we need more support inside. We can't rely on Clint to grab 20 rebounds every night. Sorry to break it to you guys, but he's not Dennis Rodman. It also stings that the Hawks were 10th in the association in defensive rating when DeAndre Hunter went down, and it has been downhill since. Trey is the superstar and future of the franchise, but it appears Hunter is the Hawks' X factor. Obviously, Hunter is out for the next seven or eight weeks after a right meniscus knee surgery. Missing Snell the last two games, not getting much out of Rondo, no Chris Dunn yet, and the Hunter injury are all huge. When it is all said and done, where do you see this team finishing the season, Crawford? What are your predictions or expectations up to this point? Well, before the season began, we got our free agents. I said, this is a six-seeded team. We're going to be seated higher than the Raptors. And right now, yeah, we are, but, you know, there's lots of, crazy intangibles going around in the league that explains and confuses a lot of the records right now. A lot of teams are struggling with different issues. Ours can be fixed. So it's just uh, pretty disappointing because I thought they'd be 
you know, more, more dominant above 500. And I also want to add that coaching is not entirely the issue either. I know it is frustrating, but there is a reason that the Hawks have found themselves up in tight games many times already this season that they have ended up losing down the stretch. Our team definitely has better shooters than we have shown so far. The shots just happen to not be falling right now. Simple math in a way. The team must believe that eventually they can knock the lid off the basket and score. I believe that we are 1-6 when it comes to games decided by 6 points or less. Clearly Pierce doesn't have a completely bad game plan because the looks are there and we have been battling teams down to the wire. Alright, next let's talk about the Phoenix Suns. The Suns are off to their best 26-game start since the 2007-2008 season. They have won their last 6 games and are 9-1 in their last 10. They have the 5th best record in the league, 5th best defense, and the 6th highest overall net rating. They have been dealing with the injury bug. Only Bridges, Cam Johnson, and DeAndre Ayton have played in every game for the Suns this year. Chris Paul and Devin Booker are also heavily in the All-Star conversation, and Ayton and Bridges have been wreaking havoc on the defensive side of the ball. I really like what the Suns are doing, and I think this team has a chance to be special for a while. I predict that they will be a three-seed this postseason, and I believe they are only going to get better. What do you think, Crawford? Well, I definitely see them as a six-seed, and I certainly expected them to be playing a little bit better than they are right now, but anytime you introduce new players like Chris Paul into the lineup, it's going to take some time for everyone to learn how to play with him and do what he expects of everyone because that franchise has not had a Chris Paul in many years. And Devin Booker's young, and he's been carrying the team for a while, but he's definitely got some things to learn from Chris Paul. But it's a major threat and one of the top three backcourts in the NBA right now. You cannot ignore the Suns. They're a huge playoff threat. So for now, I'll put them at the fifth seed at the end of the season. Yeah, I think the Phoenix Suns will finish anywhere between third and sixth in the Western Conference. But CP3 is averaging 8.1 assists a game, and that is good for fifth in the league. Replacing Rubio was definitely a goal for the Suns this offseason. But to be able to upgrade to CP3 this year was a game changer. Not that Rubio isn't good. Chris Paul is just that incredible and is still a lead at the age of 35, showing very few signs of slowing down soon as well. Outside of his productive stats, he also brings a type of invaluable leadership the young core can learn from. He is widely respected and one of the best basketball minds of our generation. We all know that Devin Booker has been going crazy this season, and that definitely helps. But he was going crazy last year, and although they went undefeated in the bubble, they didn't go to the playoffs. Now we're about a third through the season, and they look like a playoff lock. Our next topic of discussion is the Anthony Davis injury situation and what this means for the Lakers. Most of you already know, AD is going to be inactive for at least three weeks while he recovers from Achilles tendinosis and a strained calf. His absence is huge, but it already presents an issue that is already existent. The Lakers are taking almost three fewer shots in the restricted area per game than they did a year ago, and opponents are playing much better against the Lakers' defense this season, shooting two percentage points higher this year. They haven't done too great on the offensive glass, they're shooting way less free throws, and they aren't blocking nearly as many shots. A lot of this attributes to the departures of JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard this offseason, who did a fantastic job for L.A. during their championship run last year. The Lakers are already playing small, and losing A.D. only makes them smaller. Part of the reason the Lakers have A.D. is so they can play small. Considering he can pull up from three, dunk on you, and help space the floor with his ability to shoot, his versatility can really open up the offense and create good looks. This isn't a problem, because a lot of teams go small in the playoffs anyways. 
but Los Angeles needs to take and make more shots, get to the line more, and just do better on the boards. Really disappointed we won't see a full-strength L.A. team battle the Brooklyn Nets this Thursday. What are your thoughts on the situation, Crawford, and what guys can you see stepping up during this stretch? Well, first I want to remember how passionate I felt when Kevin Durant went down and how angry I was at the Golden State training staff. Because even though KD went out there willingly, it's up to them to keep him back. And just like AD, AD is lucky that he didn't go out there and rupture his Achilles. And they've caught this problem before it becomes another KD situation. And unfortunately, we're going to have to learn from that terrible, terrible mistake they made. And we better learn from it. He needs to sit out as long as he can. I don't care how far the Lakers drop in the standings. It is almost life or death. It is career or bust that AD sits out as much time as he needs to let that rest and recover. Second, I think players like Mark Saul need to step up anyway. He's been the frozen iceberg nickname, the glacier. He's just not doing much of anything uh, other than being big. And you can't really applaud him for anything. Uh, not even his veteran leadership. Dennis Schroeder needs to be a better ball handler, learn how to facilitate more, take pressure off for LeBron. There's a lot of good effort, people like Wesley Matthews and Alex Caruso. So I just want to keep seeing people like Kuzma, you know, increase their game and put in the effort and just ride this one out because it's it's going to be bumpy, but you have to keep AD's Achilles safe. Things aren't going to get any easier for the Lakers anytime soon anyways. They're going to face Cat, Bam Adebayo, and Rudy Gobert in their next five games, and then have a brutal stretch against all-star caliber guards like Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, Chris Paul, De'Aaron Fox, and Devin Booker, who all have no trouble getting to the rim. And I think people are going to point back to a lot of what happened in 2018, 2019, when LeBron was there in his first year coming fresh off of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Let me tell you right now that the LeBron we have today is not the same LeBron as that guy. The new LeBron, the LeBron we have now, will not be playing like that at all. Yeah, I agree with all those points, but now I want to get to the Knicks real quick. The Knicks looked like they were prepared for a good old-fashioned tanking entering this season, but that is definitely not the case. The Knicks didn't spend a ton of money last offseason either, hoping that the team would be at least decent with players like Julius Randle and Alfred Payton but the New York Knicks have found themselves sitting 6th place in the East after last night's victory over the Hawks and are 14-15. and 15. Do you think that the Knicks will be able to sustain this level of play, Crawford? I don't want to extinguish the excitement that the Knicks fans have that their team is finally playing good. So, for now, I think, yes, they'll be at least a top-10 seed, probably hover around 500 and be 7th seed most of the year, but... It, that's assuming that they can be consistent. I know Coach Thibodeau is a pretty good guy to have for that. Yeah, he's definitely the right coach for the Knicks, and I finally feel like they got the right guy in the right spot when it comes to their head coach. But Randall's been playing like an all-star. R.J. Barrett's been making strides every game. Rookie Emmanuel quickly is already a fan favorite. And honestly, after nearly a decade of misery for Knicks fans, I think the misery just might be over. The current state of the Eastern Conference certainly helps their playoff case too but we'll see. Now let's talk about the Utah Jazz. 
who hold an NBA best 22 and 5 record and are coming off a week where they beat the Heat, Pacers, Celtics, and Bucks. The Jazz have won 18 of their last 19 games as they have been completely on fire, putting themselves in the discussion for who is really the best in the West. How did the Jazz become the talk of the NBA? They got a top five offense and defense. They are 11 players deep with an offense that can shoot the lights out at times. We all know this is Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert's team, and the team is only going to go as far as that duo can take them. But much credit must be given to elite role players like Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Joe Ingles, who have stepped it up this year. Not to mention, Jordan Clarkson has already scored more points off the bench than anyone in the NBA this season, and he is definitely the front runner for the award for sixth man of the year. Giannis also said that the Jazz were the best team in the West. Crawford, what are your thoughts on those comments, and how legit do you think this Utah Jazz team is? Well, if Giannis said it, then that must be true. But no, seriously, the Utah Jazz are as real as they get. What's going on right now is they are living by the three. No dying. Every three-pointer is going in for them. They're shooting an incredible rate. It's a dream for any team right now. But that's streaky, and you can't rely on that forever, as we all know. As much as the league is three-point heavy, I don't think this is a team that's going to fall into that death trap. This team is very versatile and score in many ways, has many different kinds of players, and shouting out all those good players like Jordan Clarkson is really important that they get their credit because this Utah team has come together. That is the reason they are the best in the West right now is their ability to come together and just play the game of basketball the way they want to. And the way it should be played, for real, man. It's just the way they're playing. They're just having so much fun right now, and you can just see it just in their faces. You can see it in their body expressions. You can see it just everywhere. Last but definitely not least, the San Antonio Spurs are dealing with a coronavirus outbreak among four players, the NBA said Tuesday. The players' names have not been listed. And this means the Spurs will not play until the middle of next week at the earliest. Meanwhile, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, whose city was picked to play host to the NBA All-Star Game and Skills Competitions on March 7th, raised major concerns about the notion of fans coming to the city for events, telling the Associated Press that people should not travel to Atlanta to party in a statement she made. Crawford, how do you feel about the NBA hosting an All-Star Game this year in Atlanta? Well, I think that's definitely a good political statement that the mayor would put out to remind people that this is not an event to come and party because there's definitely a lot of people disregarding COVID altogether and just partying on top of each other. And Atlanta is known for that, and it's it's just a matter of fact that we need to remind people this year, this is really just for TV, and I think it's a great thing to have. It's raising a lot of money that they need to operate. And I know the players aren't too happy about it, and I understand because they were told this wasn't going to happen, and then they sprung it on them. So it's not really fair to them, but I'm really glad as a fan that I get to watch it. And they're going through all this trouble to keep up the tradition of an all-star game because it's something we all look forward to every year, and the season wouldn't be the same without it, especially a dunk contest. I think it's really cool how they're going to try to fit that in the middle of the game we'll see how that goes but otherwise i'm really glad that they're going forward with this yeah i mean safety always comes first but if they're able to be 
put an all-star game out there that's safe for the players and the fans, I'm all for it because there's nothing better than getting to see the best of the best square off. With that being said, that's all I wanted to cover in today's episode. Thanks for tuning in to episode 5 of the Out of Sight Sports Podcast. We are available on multiple platforms like Spotify and Google Podcasts.